podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the Quiltiverse. I'm Amanda of Broadcloth Studio, and I'm joined by Anna of Wax and Wayne Studio. Hi, everyone. Wendy, the weekend quilter. Hey. And our special guest, Zach of Zach Foster. Howdy. Now, before we jump into all the quilty fun today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Zach? Oh, sure. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's nice to sit here with the three of you, little <laughs> circle of quilting fans. Our pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I was thinking about this the other day, the injustices we do sometimes when we try to introduce ourselves in a in a little capsule, you know? Because what I would like to say is that I, I see myself as a family historian, right? As a teller of stories, someone who can coax memory into a quilt and keep it there, someone who reaches into the past and pulls it forward in the present in the form of a quilt. And if that's a little magical, if that's a little shamanic, I'm all right with that. (laughs) But most times when people ask me what I do, I just say I'm a quilter. And that's shorthand for everything above. (laughs) Could you tell us a bit more about your quilting journey um, so far and uh, when did you start quilting and, you know, how did it all sort of begin? Sure. You know, I I like to tell people I've made my first quilt three different times. The first time would have been in the third grade because we had like a Laura Ingalls Wilder little house on the prairie day, made a little four patch. The second time was in college, and I was so irritated when I made that quilt top that none of my corners matched up that I felt like I'd failed as a quilter. So I didn't make another quilt until about 10 years ago, and that was my third first quilt. And that was for a friend of mine who had their first kids. You know, there's that kind of season in life when Mm -hmm. everybody in your orbit seems to start having children. And so I wanted to make them uh, something special. And so I was like, oh, quilting had always been tangentially interesting to me. And this just seemed like a good excuse to, to try it out. And that first quilt was a very humble offering. Like it was, <laughs> it was wonky in some of the good ways and some of the not so good ways. You know? like, and, uh, but what's interesting to me when I look back at that quilt, even honestly, if I go all the way back to the third grade quilt, there are certain strings, certain threads, if you will, that connect every quilt I've ever made. And that is the idea that even my earliest quilts were repurposed materials, cut up bed sheets. Even my earliest quilts, because I was what, eight years old, were wonky, (laughs) 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 improv-y. And so that's, those two uh, columns have have been those kind of like pillars of support for me when I think about my approach to quilting. So you've kind of alluded to the fact that you you do a lot of improv patchwork. Can you kind of describe how you approach a new quilt without a pattern? Yeah. So when I think about making a new quilt, it generally starts with the fabrics. And I make a lot of memory quilts and such. I know we'll talk about mm-hmm. that here in a little bit. But it starts with the fabrics. And I just try to see what they want to do. You know, so for example, somebody recently gave me a bunch of fabric they had brought back from Uganda, and she wanted me to make a quilt for a fundraiser for her school in Uganda. And these were all African wax prints, very bold patterns, right? So there are certain things you can do with bold patterns, and there are certain things maybe you shouldn't do with bold patterns. And, and I learned not to be scared of, of those big designs. So 
starting with the fabric and listening to to what it wants um, is really where I begin. And what I do is I'll take a shirt or pair of pants or whatever it is and cut it up into its disparate parts. And I just put them on the design wall. And I see that a lot of times when you're working with repurposed material, you have odd angles, right? Like the slope mm -hmm. of your shoulder on a shirt panel will give you a certain angle that if you're just cutting fabric off the bolt, you may or may not cut that angle. I know that when I was working with store-bought fabric, I was always, I would go to the, the quilt store. I would spend hours like stressing over like getting just the perfect color combo. And then I would go home and be too afraid to cut into it because I'd spent so much money on it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I started with repurposing materials really is just a way to save money, just being a cheapskate. But then I found that working with cloth that had already had a life, had a way of kind of blazing a trail for me creatively. Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of went out before me in that way. Um, my partner might say it It had glacial movement, meaning, you know, how a glacier like carves out a valley, yeah, yeah. like the fabric goes before me and, and, and just kind of leads the way if I can pay attention to it. Practically what that looks like, that's the philosophical <laughs> underpinning, but practically what that looks like is so I'll put the two patches up on the design wall and I'll just play around and I wait for what the sculptor Ann Truitt says was her marker because I've never heard anybody who put it in better words than she did. She said that she waits for the spontaneous rise in her being. And I think when, when I read that phrase, and maybe y'all can relate to that, the idea that when you see something beautiful happening in front of you, there is this lightness that comes over, you know, from a very core, deep place. And so when I see, when I feel that spontaneous rise in my being, I'm like, okay, what is it? Try to figure it out and then try to mm, replicate it in some way uh, without... Um, without taking the bubbles out of the champagne, you know, like how can I capitalize to use a word? How can I um, put what I see happening that I like to work, uh, but in a way that keeps it fresh, keeps it living, keeps it breathing. And so that's, that's the broad strokes of how I do what I do when I'm working on improv. So you, when you're cutting into, let's say shirts or other repurposed materials, um, do you, do you try to use that kind of those unique elements that they bring to your work? And do you have any tips for like someone who's like, uh, you know, you, I think about a seam of jeans or a seam on shirts and that can get really bulky real quick. Um, and I think can be uh, a little bit of a, a roadblock maybe for folks who are trying it out for the first time. I, I mean, my favorite parts of garments are the ones where somebody has left evidence of their existence. Hmm. I firmly believe that we change the clothing that we wear in some way, and not just physically, although it's easier to see the physical, right? I think of all the sweat stains I've seen in shirts that have been given to me. <laughs> I think of, <laughs> I just got some bathing suits, y'all, and I'm not gonna say anything oh, about what oh, I found. <laughs> I, I have seen um, wine stains and chocolate stains and dirt stains. I have seen ripped knees and I've seen men's that people have done before. All of these are like little footprints of an actual life that was lived in actual time on this planet. And they left this trace behind them. And so when it comes to incorporating those little footprints into my work, I try to situate them in the quilt so that um, they honor the energy that is in that fabric and the life that was lived in that fabric. If it's, you know, 
I use my artistic judgment. If it's a really gross stain, I, I cut it out. But, you know, pit <laughs> stains, when you cut them out of the pits, for example, pit stains aren't all that ugly. You know, so they're, they're t- depending. Depends on your deodorant, I suppose. But <laughs> <laughs> if, if there is a way, like, oh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, ways that we change our clothes is so much of the time when I get a men's button-up shirt, you can tell if they've been outside a lot because the shoulders fade. And so I love trying to hold on to that fade that you can see as it wrapped around their body. And I think that's especially important when you talk about memory quilts, because mm-hmm. the idea is to capture something of the physical presence of the person. And so if we can show that in our quilts through the clothes that they wore when they were alive, then you're halfway there. So with your memory quilts and your burial quilts, how did you find yourself or how did that kind of aspect of your work come into being? I am coming up on 10 years of making quilts and I'm very excited about that. February, 2022 is going to be my decade anniversary or whatever you call it. (laughs) Um, uh, And I started, I didn't start making memory quilts. It wasn't where, where I began my journey, but there came a point where I wanted to just add another layer to my work. You know, Um, I come from a long line of, preachers and missionaries and and authors and even a poet in there. And I come from a family that is is interested in meaning and memory. And I was interested, like I said, in adding that layer onto my work. And so I began making memory quilts. And what was, what I found so fascinating about the memory quilt work is not only does it allow me to act as um, an agent of, of healing, of doing some kind of good in this world with what I love to do, that in and of itself is a beautiful thing and is, is worth it, but it's not entirely selfless because as an artist, I also find it really engaging to take on a commission like a memory quote commission and just say, universe, whatever you're going to send me in that box, I'll take with it and I'll use it because <laughs> When you're making a memory quilt and somebody sends you stuff, you have no idea what's coming your way. It's not like when someone asks if I'll make a quilt, I'm saying, well, maybe. It depends on the clothes you're going to send me. Can I see a picture? <laughs> like, that never enters into the conversation. Throw in a yacht as well. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And so so it's, it's, it's creative challenge one after another for me when I'm working with memory quilts. And I find that with each memory quilt, it almost feels like I'm starting from a different creative spot on the game board. You know, like... Mm-hmm. I, I just, I make different kinds of quilts when they're memory quilts with fabric that uh, has been entrusted to me by folks yeah. who are looking for this quilt. And that, that trust is a powerful energy to work with as well. I was going to just about to ask you, like, do you ever feel really nervous when you're just about to start cutting into people's clothing? Because I mean, it's not like you're creating a quilt where you're buying yardage from the store. And if anything happens, like, oh, it's okay. I'm just going to go back to the store and buy some more. Um, So yeah, do you feel nervous at all? I did in the beginning. um, But then I just got to a place where somebody told me once every quilt is already made somewhere, like in the universe, you know, it's floating out there on a metaphysical level. Every quilt's already made and every quilt is already beautiful. We just got to call it down. And so I like that, that the confidence that comes with a, a <laughs> worldview like that. Um, and I also came to trust that my good heart, and we all got one, but my good heart 
is going to make something beautiful for this family, right? Like I can't, I can't mess it up. It's going to be beautiful, whatever it is. It's going to be just what it needs to be. And so I've just, I, I guess I'm at a place where I trust the process and I trust myself enough to know that um, even if I get halfway into a project and I'm not so crazy about it, well, the same creative spark that got me this far will get me out of this mess. You know, so I, just, I just keep working. If I'm not happy, it just means I'm not done yet. And what, oh, I was just going to ask when, when you work with a, um, with a family on a new, um, excuse me, on a new memory quilt, do you talk to them about the person? Do you gather stories or, you know, is, is the process a little bit different than with your, um, other sorts of commissions? Yeah. And every, every commission is different. Every family is different. You know, um, a lot of the work though, that I do, I would say with most people is, listening to the stories they have to tell. Because what I realize is that it seems like most people who want a memory quilt reach out to me after their loved one has passed about a year or two previous. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So it seems like it's almost um, a chapter of, of grieving and healing that we've entered into mm -hmm. when we're ready to process what to do with uh, a loved one's clothing and other possessions. And so they come to me about that point in time. And I think what's notable about that point is that it's been long enough, I imagine, from what it sounds like talking to people, that life seems to have moved on for everybody else. Maybe you just lost your partner. Maybe you just lost your child. Maybe you just lost your loved one, you know. But everybody else's life has gotten on and you're still where you are. And so to have somebody who you can start from fresh with, telling those good stories, telling those memories, sharing those pictures. I mean, I, I'll, I tell people I'm happy to, uh, I'll take as much or as little as you want to give me in terms of <laughs> the person I'm making this for. I do find it helpful to know something about the person, right? It helps kind of build that connection with the, the work I'm doing. But I feel that in a funny way that quilts are containers for stories because of all the reasons we've been talking about, right? That how mm -hmm. living in our life, living our life in clothes, imbues them with a certain life force. So when we make quilts out of those clothes, those quilts are containers for stories. And that makes us quilters also containers for stories, right? So I, people tell me things and I sit and I listen and I let it swirl around. Like sometimes I see myself like a big pitcher, you know, I don't, I don't know why I picture, but <laughs> pitcher, sweet tea, and just swirl it around. And then eventually I pour it out in the form of a quilt, you know, <laughs> That's, that's my process. <laughs> and and for your burial quilts, are those, is it typically people, um, they're reaching out on behalf of themselves or, so how is that, how does that differ like that? I, I can imagine the conversations being different as well. So burial quilts is um, one of my new babies and I'm, and I'm just so, I'm just thrilled to, to be working on this because it started I mean, I was back in college, I mean, 20 years or so ago. And uh, I remember hearing a story on the radio about a woman who passed away. And according to her last wishes, she wanted her friends just to take the quilt off her bed and wrap her body up, put her in the back of a truck, drive her out to the woods and bury her there. And that's what they did. And I remember thinking, that sounds about right. Like, that's what I want for myself, right? Something soft and something colorful on that day. And so that idea, I think, planted a seed, germinated for 20 years, and now here we are, you and me talking today. And during the last couple of years, so during the pandemic, um, the, the, the time has come 
to talk more about this burial quilt project because I believe it has a lot to offer us. You know, there I understand the the human intention behind wanting to put our loved ones in this protective box. I get that. But what happens is, because there's always a trade-off, and the trade-off is uh, multiple, but one of the trade-offs is that we lock all these organic elements that are on loan to us that we just borrowed from the universe. We're locking them up in that little box, never to return. Another thing is, is that um, it's, I don't know, at no other point in our life do we get in a box. So why do we do it on our last day? (laughs) And so how about we think about what do I do on a daily basis, like getting in a cozy bed that might provide uh, a comforting uh, analogy metaphor for what I want my eternal rest to be like. And so when I think about burial quilts, my vision for them is a quilt that you use while you're alive. So to answer your question, it is people reach out to me to commission the quilt. They could have, maybe they see their day coming imminently, or maybe it's just a death positive approach for the future. (laughs) Um, But the idea is that you would live in your quilt for as long as you can, you know, years and years, infusing it with that one precious life force that you got. And then when the time comes, you got all those memories baked into the quilt wrap yourself up, put you in the ground, go back to the soil. That's my thoughts for it, at least, you know, there's, there's, um, I have a mental picture and I'm really looking forward to uh, this spring going down to Nashville, Tennessee, where I got a friend who runs a natural burial ground, Larkspur, and he's going to help me do a photo shoot. Because what I feel like I want people to see is like, I can talk about burial quilts, but I got this dream image up here. And I want people to see what a funeral could look like, what a burial could look like, colorful in the woods, right? I think it could be a beautiful thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Instead of the sterile, commercialized version that yeah. so many burials have become. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know. Old adage says a picture's worth a thousand words. So here we are. I'm probably on words 5,000 by now. <laughs> Still don't have a picture, but that's coming soon. I'm so excited to see it. I can just visualize it right now. And like the just amazing contrast between like just the darkness and the beauty of the quilt. Yeah. yeah. So can you tell us more about this residency program that you'll be participating in in uh, 2022? <sighs> I'm so excited about this. Emma. <laughs> okay, so for 18 years, y'all, I was a high school teacher and high school teacher, full-time quilter, part-time. Mm-hmm. And I would, I, my friends going to artist residencies and be so jealous wanting to do one myself, but they never lined up with the academic calendar until now because I quit my job eight weeks ago. Congratulations. Um, thank Congrats. you. Official full-time quilter. And I, I I ran across this opportunity. My partner found it looking around for different grants and foundations. And it was for John C. Campbell Folk School down in North Carolina, in Brasstown, North Carolina. It is, if you know, if you know the Blue Ridge Mountains, if you know my state, it's in the westernmost knob of North Carolina. <laughs> it is so far west in my state, I have never been there before. So I'm looking forward to a new part of the home state. Um, they have about 300 acres of 
mountain country where they have, you know, the, the folk school campus, they're going to put me up in a log cabin and then I'll shuttle into the downtown Murphy, North Carolina, which is about 10 minutes drive away for the daytime to do a little, uh, downtown main street studio. sewing for folks that are coming and going, and then I'll go back to, back to campus, sleep in my log cabin and wake up and do it all again the next day. But I'm just, I'm just thrilled. I got, um, the proposal and we'll see what actually happens. So here we are, we're putting this on record now, I suppose, but I envision a triptych series of quilts coming out of this residency, three hand-sewn quilts that explore the idea of homecoming, right? So the first quilt would be the, the moment of leaving home, which for me would correlate to 2008 and moving, leaving North Carolina and moving to New York and the excitement that you have around leaving home. The middle quilt would focus on that time when the balance shifts at some point where you're like, oh, maybe this new place that now feels more familiar isn't exactly everything I'd hoped it would be. Maybe you start missing a little something about home. That'd be the second quilt. And the third quilt would be the homecoming and what it feels like to go home. And the nuances there, the nuances about being excited to go back to a home, but also the the sacrifices that go tandem with that about having to leave your place a place that's been home for so long behind so there's a lot of um energetic mining that i'm gonna have to do for this project but i'm really looking forward <laughs> to it have you already started gathering fabrics for this or will that be during the residency i think i'm just going to get them all in north carolina oh, maybe so- i'll bring some from new york because i mean when we're talking about transitioning from one place to another it would make sense to have fabrics from both places so mm-hmm. I'll bring a few, but I would like most of them to come from the place I'm in down south. And when you're sourcing fabrics as well, like where, where, like where do you look? Um, the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I love have, your foraging sessions. <laughs> the three out of the four of us right now live in New York City, yeah. so we yeah. know that clothing here in New York is often treated as a disposable item of trash. Walking down the street, we see umbrellas on every block. We see masks dropped on the ground. We see shirts. We see all kinds of Trust me, I've seen so many of it lately. We're walking in dogs. I know. It's all over the place. And so that's what I think. There was, in fact, and Heidi Parks can testify to this. Heidi, if you're listening. (laughs) Heidi Crush. Um... (laughs) There was September 2019, I committed to picking up every piece of fabric that I found in the streets of New York, washed them, cleaned them, et cetera, et cetera. Don't worry, mom. And <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was going to turn all those into a quilt. The only problem with this plan is I had no idea how much fabric I was going to collect. Uh, in the end, I had enough for two and a half king-size quilts. No oh, way. Wow. And it got to a point, actually, that was just overwhelming. And I got stuck, like just creatively stuck for months. And Heidi gave me permission to put it all in the textile recycling bin and move on. So <laughs> that's what Thank I did. You, Thank you, Heidi. I was like, where are you storing all of this? <laughs> in a very small eat-in kitchen in Brooklyn, yep. New York. It's eight feet by eight feet. Do you use your oven for extra storage? <laughs> I've never thought about that. Oh, no. Thank you so much. I I barely cook, so. (laughs) Just got to remember to take out all those stashes of fabric before you bake the brownies. Right, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) for sure. Might smell a bit weird. (laughs) So at the end of the residency, will you have, will there be a show that people can come visit? And will there also be a virtual version? 
I think that's a wonderful idea. Don't see why not. I mean, if, if nothing else, at least an IG Live or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's going to be an opening night, which I guess is just me showing off some quotes I've already <laughs> made. And then there'll be a closing ceremony that will be hopefully the presentation of the Homecoming series. So, yeah. So exciting. Sounds awesome. I'm, I'm jealous. Awesome. <laughs> I'm jealous of the cabin in the woods. That sounds. Yeah, that part sounds awesome. Thank you. I don't think refreshing is the right word, but and but reinvigorating isn't. Anyways, come back to me, my thesaurus. I'm going to go grab it. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I do love good old Roger. Um, uh, who wants to ask? Yeah, yeah, go for it. So you also host the Quilty Nook. Can you tell us about this membership um, and why you started it, really? I'll tell you that um, I... One of my favorite parts of teaching when I was still in the classroom was not the subject material. And if you're one of my former students listening to this right now, I'm so sorry. I, mean, I like <laughs> Spanish. I like Spanish. I love Spanish-speaking people and Spanish-speaking culture. Uh, but it wasn't the content. It was, for me, the how do I bring 35 people in one room together who do not know each other and build a community, right? And I got opportunities to do that every single year for 18 years. And so I got, I mean, pat myself on the back. I got pretty good at this. I mean, this was my job, you know? So I, when I left teaching, wanted to think about how I could take so many of the lessons that teaching had taught me and turn it outwards, turn it in a new direction and just see what happens when, when that came to bear. And so I started last summer with a Patreon account actually. Mm -hmm. And that lasted all of three months. That like, <laughs> <laughs> and the reason it lasted three months is because it was, it was, um, I, I quickly saw that for what I wanted to do, for my dream, my vision, it was just too limiting, right? Because Patreon okay. is wonderful. And if y'all have a Patreon, congratulations. It's wonderful for like one way content, right? It's the creator putting stuff out to their supporters. But what I was trying to do was to create a space for dialogue, a space for support, mm -hmm. a space for sharing. And to that end, with Patreon, I had cobbled together this Frankenstein patchwork of all these different platforms and websites, and it was just confusing. And so then I made the jump to Mighty Networks, which is the same networks that Sherry Lynn Wood uses, um, Crispina French uses, so people may be familiar with it. I call mine the Quilty Nook, and <laughs> after my eating kitchen space, that's what we call it here in this apartment, <laughs> the Quilty Nook, and um, it is it is a beautiful space where every month we have what we call the unblock of the month challenge. So they are no rules block quilt block prompts uh, designed to do two things. When I'm considering a prompt, I make sure it meets both these goals. Number one, will it help us approach materials in a new way that we haven't used them before? And two, will it help me and other people engaging in this practice to excavate what's on the inside and bring it outside into our textiles. Because to me, that's when the satisfying work, that's when the good work happens, right? When we are turning ourselves inside out in the form of a textile. And so past prompts have included things like um, illustrate the quality you admire most about yourself in a quilt block. The most recent one was uh, what's one threshold you're experiencing in your life right now and illustrate that in a block and people just run with it y'all I'm telling you 
<laughs> to call them quilt blocks is a very generous definition, right? Like some of these <laughs> things are like, they're all shapes, they're all sizes, they're all materials, they're paper, they're fabric, they're, they're digital, some of them. Um, mine had ginkgo leaves sewn into it this last time. I mean, all kinds of stuff. But just the, it's the beauty of a no-holds-barred approach, which I think really gets the creative juices flowing. So that's one of the things we do. We got all kinds of stuff. Monthly sewing circles we do. We got visiting artist workshops like Laura Hartrich is coming up this month to talk about her goal setting that she does with her quilts. She'll track a particular habit over the course of time, collecting all this data, and then she turns it into a quilt. So she's going to come to the Quilting Nook to give us a visiting artist workshop on her approach to soft goals, as she calls them, soft goals quilts. Um, so we do a lot of fun stuff. We do a lot of fun stuff. So if anybody's interested, I'm sure we can link to it. Absolutely. You know, and then the yeah. podcast it's, it's a good spot. And I will just say that today, December the what? 2nd, 2021? Yes. Yeah. We just got 300 Nookie members today. Ooh, Number 300. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That feels like something we're celebrating. And are they yeah. mainly based in the U.S. or is it a global all audience? All over the place. That's so all cool. over the place. And so when I'm scheduling events and things, it, it runs the gamut of 9 a.m. in the morning to 8 p.m. at night on the East right. Coast because my Australians need a little something and my folks in the U.K. <laughs> yeah. need a little something. And we even got one woman out on Vanuatu. She's like, there's no quilters no. here. And I'm like, I bet not. <laughs> I do not doubt the, the correctness of that statement. <laughs> So this is all, all this virtual programming. What has surprised you most um, in creating the Quilty Nook? Or delighted you most, actually, I'd like to ask. What has delighted me most about the Quilty Nook, and I see it happening in front of me, is the way in which people full-heartedly and full-throatedly <laughs> support each other in the Quilty Nook. I have been so amazed at how warm and nurturing this community is. And that's not something, I mean, I can set a certain tone as the host of the party or whatever, right? That doesn't mean everybody shows up for the party is going to have the same idea in mind, but so far so good, knock on wood, that it's just this really nurturing space. And I think what's so delightful about that is that that's what other people are bringing to it, you know? And that is something that's out of my control as the host, but that it's just so beautiful to watch take shape in front of me. That's so cool. I wouldn't be surprised if people start meeting up together. The ones that are they close do. to each other. They do. Oh. They do. And it's so Five cute. They send me ahead. little pictures. Oh my God. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> you get little and postcards. <laughs> it's adorable. And even actually when we get off of this, this conversation right now, I'm going to go meet one of my nookers for coffee. She's in the neighborhood. So oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's so awesome. it's, I mean, people are getting to be friends in real life too, which is really sweet. That is I really love the nookers. Nice. <laughs> nookers. <laughs> on that, on that adorable note about the the nookers meeting up, um, it is time to move on to our rapid fire quilty questions. Are you ready, Zach? One hundred percent. Okay, Wendy, why don't you kick us off? Sure. So, what is your favorite time of day to quilt? Morning. And where do you sew? In my eating kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> do you wear shoes while sewing? Hell no. <laughs> do you wear socks? If I have to. <laughs> Music, Netflix, podcast, or the sounds of silence? Usually silence, but if I'm looking for music, I turn on WDVX, East Tennessee's own listener-supported radio. I love <laughs> and, well, that kind of answers your current favorite, so. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite snack while quilting? Chocolate. And what favorite traditional block? 
Oh, what's your favorite traditional block? Well, I only know one. So how about I say wagon wheel? That's what I'm working on right (laughs) now with farm and folk. And what is your favorite color? Well, that's like asking somebody to choose their favorite child. Oh, I can answer that very easily. <laughs> Shade, <laughs> it's green. All the other colors can eat it. Just kidding. Uh, do you have a favorite place to find fabrics? The sidewalk. And what's the strangest material you've ever repurposed into a quilt? Snake skin. So, well, you may not admit to a favorite color. What color fabric do you use the most? Blue. And do you use mostly solids or prints? Solids, because I'm scared of prints, but I'm learning not to be. <laughs> and what's the last fabric you bought? Actually, no, you don't buy, do you buy, fa- no, you don't even buy fabric. What are we, <laughs> what are we asking this for? <laughs> yeah, awkward question. Here, you know what? The, I can tell you the last fabric I found on the sidewalk. That's well, nice. actually it's in the yeah. basement I'm building. Somebody's giving it away. A little pink tutu. I, I'm assuming, do you have a favorite quilt shop or a supply shop for all the non-found I materials? Mean, Goodwill. Where do you buy thread? Or what kind of thread do you use? Goodwill. Goodwill. And I use whatever I have on hand. (laughs) Is there a, do you have a specific location in Brooklyn or? I mean, to be honest, love you Brooklyn, but it's not the best. Goodwill here is not the best. So it's just whenever I'm on a road trip, I will basically plot my, my pee breaks or sorry, (laughs) I'll plot my my (laughs) restroom breaks. Uh, for where the Goodwills are. So I'll just look on the map. Like, where's the closest Goodwill to the, house, the highway? I'll stop there and load up. It's <laughs> so cool. I definitely remember watching an Instagram live of one of your guests showing how to repurpose thread on a pair of jeans. That was really, really, really cool. I do hope that you have that saved on your Instagram so I can link it back in the show notes, but it was really, really cool. Really cool. We can to watch make that, that happen. And oh, really? <laughs> I tell you two reasons why anybody should salvage thread from a pair of jeans. Number one, it is really good thread. I mean, denim generally yeah. is meant to last, so the thread they use is worth unpicking or whatever. Uh, the second reason anybody should repurpose it, the thread, salvage the thread, is that it's so satisfying when you unpick a, sta- a chain stitch. If you've done it before, you know what I'm talking about. You just pick one little part of it, one little stitch, and then you can pop, 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 and it so pulls good. out in one long piece. <laughs> it's you like removing it thread piece basting. Mm. Exactly. So good. Exactly. It really is. <laughs> How do you organize your fabrics? By color. And what do you do with your scraps? I leave them on the floor. <laughs> I like to think that's where the genius lives. You know, the Romans had this idea that the genius was an actual spirit, right? An actual little spirit. And so I, I say my creative genius lives in all the mess on the floor. <laughs> and what sewing notion couldn't you live without? My needle? <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty low maintenance when it comes to sewing. So, Do you have a pressing preference uh, to the open, dark side? Generally, I press them open. But I also reserve space for the fabric to tell me what it wants to do. And if it really wants to flop one way or another, that's fine. <laughs> Path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, pick one, HSTs, curves, or flying geese? Or How about flying geese? Because I love the sound of squawking geese as they migrate overhead. I wish we could show that. The answer was the kind interpretive, of an interpretive dance. dance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Maybe real make answer. A out of it or something. Exactly. <laughs> Do you machine or hand bind? Some of both. Generally hand bind. 
And spray, pin, or thread-based? Pin. Pre-wash, always, sometimes, never. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I feel grossed out by the fabric I picked up, I will definitely pre-wash. <laughs> Makes sense. I didn't want to make an assumption. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is your favorite part of the quilting process? You got your quilt top. And you are putting it back up on the design wall for the first time all in one piece. And you are smoothing it out. And that feeling of all those seams shuffling under your the palms of your hands, whatever yeah. that is, is my favorite part. And what's your least favorite part of the quilting process? The quilting. <laughs> if I could pay somebody to quilt for me, I would. One day I probably will. Um, Wait, wasn't Heidi looking for... Someone to hire her to quilt? Couldn't you and Heidi maybe do a little bit of... <laughs> We've talked yeah. about that. Oh, we've talked about that for sure. Uh, what is one bad quilting habit you wish you could give up? I sit in kind of a funny way at my sewing machine. And so I get this little crick in my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could be more mindful of my posture. And who's your quilty BFF? Heidi, obviously. And what um, is your favorite recent make? I made a tiny quilt yesterday that is very precious to me because it is some old fabric that's frayed in a certain way and had a hole in it. And the way it got mended down to the quilt top is just very sweet. And it's just a hand sized quilt. So it's easy, quick, and just very, very sweet. So I'm, I'm happy with that one. And how many quilts are in your whip pile right now? You assume I have a whip pile, which implies a sense of organization. Um, how many quilts are on the floor? How many quilts are on the floor? No, I, I do have. Uh, so I, I probably have two in progress and then several quilts I've started, but that just weren't progressing the way I like. So I just put them in a bin and I'll revisit them some other time. But I don't really count them as works in progress because that direction's been cut off. They're dead to me. <laughs> That answers our question of where you store your whips. Um, <laughs> do you have any uh, like other interests or hobbies? Oh, too many, too many. <laughs> I I love fermenting foods. I just made some sauerkraut. I love bike riding down big hills. I like poetry. I like botanizing. I like going out in the woods and being able to name the trees and the insects and understand bird calls. I like folklore. I like to cook. So we've got just a couple more questions for you. And first up is who are three accounts you think everyone should be following and why? Okay. So here's one that I love. Deanne Tyler. Her Instagram is dhort59. She has cataloged improv quilts for decades. And she has these beautiful quilts that you've seen nowhere else. And they're not always like great pictures. You know, some of them were just like taken in a hurry, but you've never seen quilts like this before. So Deanne Hort 59 would be one. I love um, Art of TJ. TJ Muhammad is an artist here in New York from Ghana, if I remember correctly, who works a lot with the community and working uh, portraits of people in the community into these textile portraits in a way that's really cool. beautiful. Uh, you know, reminiscent of perhaps like Bisa Butler's work and that kind of thing, but with his own, it feels a little more shriny or something the way he does it. So I love Art of TJ. All right, and before we sign off, do you have any fun projects on the horizon that you want to share with us? 
Oh, totally. So <laughs> one of my big projects of 2022 is a zine podcast combo. Ooh. I'm calling Seam Side, and it focuses on the inner work of textiles. So I want to talk to, the premise is this. So I will I will sit and we'll chat for an hour, me and another textile artist, and we'll sew, and we'll talk about how working with cloth has made us more human. What has it taught us about being on this planet? And I will distill that conversation down into a really cute little foldable zine. You've probably seen some of my zines <laughs> yep. floating around. And then on the back of the zine will be a QR code where people can go and listen to the full conversation if they want to. But it's kind of a zine first, podcast second, called the scene side. So I'm excited about that because basically it gives me an excuse to talk to like yeah. the people I really yeah. want to talk to, but kind of feel like I need a reason. Why do you think we're doing what we're doing today? <laughs> I see you. I see you. We're on the same plane. <laughs> um, and when does that launch? Well, I am talking to my first person tomorrow. And so it'll launch sometime in January. Okay. Awesome. We need to wrap today up and we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to contact any of us, we can be found on our Instagram accounts. I'm at Broadclaw Studio. Wendy. I am the.weekendquarter. Anna. I am at Wax and Wayne Studio. And Zach. I am ZachFoster.quilts. Or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz or our website, quiltbuzzpodcast.com for our previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we hope that you subscribe to the show and tell your quilty friends about us too. And if you have a moment to share what you love by writing a review on your podcast provider of choice, it would make our day. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 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 Nailed it. <laughs> Yay. We got through. We did it. Thank you.